The Call of the Wild, Goosebumps, Beware the Snowman, Magic Treehouse, Revolutionary War on Wednesday, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and The Abominable Snowman. Five wintry stories to get us through the worst season of the year. Temporally, that is. This three-chapter season of the podcast has actually been pretty sweet and well worth listening to. We'll get to all that and more next on Reliterated Reiterated Chapter 6. Let's talk. Welcome to Reliterated Reiterated, the episode where your favorite lowbrow book club discusses the books we read in the past few episodes, cover what we missed, and discuss this latest chapter as a whole, as well as talk about whatever's on our minds. As usual, we give you the fair warning. We use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. Uh, this is the end of chapter six of our of our podcast. Uh, we spent some time with some books set in the in the winter, cold, dreary, miserable, a <sighs> little bit boring winter. <laughs> a little bit boring is an understatement. <laughs> I'm Andy. I'm Harold. And I'm Josh. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, I a, spent, that was a winter chapter. Yeah. And I spent this whole winter uh, locked inside of a house. I actually didn't even have to, which was kind of nice, because I didn't have to deal with any of the cold stuff. Like, really through the coldest part of winter, I was stuck inside the house. I couldn't shovel, um, so no one could ask me to do stuff like that. If someone's car got stuck, they couldn't ask me to do that. I didn't have to wake up early and trudge through the snow and drive through the snow. So th- that was all kind of nice. I mean, I guess if you're looking at silver linings. <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you want to escape winter, you can uh, either go on vacation to your summer house or if you're poor like us, break your foot. <laughs> break your foot. <laughs> yep. Or move to California. That's what as I long- did. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can get some sort of compensation. Right. <laughs> then you're not going to starve yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I'm glad it's it's actually going to be over pretty quick here. On Thursday, I go see the doctor finally, and I'm sure they're going to okay me to go back to work finally, and I am ready to interact with other human beings then. Rejoin the world. Movie yeah. nights are over. Boo. Yeah, we can still do movie nights on the weekend. Yay! you <laughs> <laughs> have your visitation days every other weekend you know Yo. <laughs> yeah i know i know it sucks so i'm glad that you're able to you'll be able to get out and do stuff and uh you know move around a little bit rather than just being stuck it's not just the being stuck though and i mean it's not like i haven't had people to talk to i've had like you guys to talk to and everything but it's there's only like one or two other people that I interact with right now other than you guys um that I actually get to be face to face and have like you know see facial interactions and all that kind of stuff <laughs> you know yeah. so like I'm I'm excited to actually go see mannerisms again like people <laughs> talking with their hands and <laughs> be in social situations with social yep. cues and be reminded why you want to go home and play video games. Exactly. <laughs> Rather exactly. than being forced to stay home and play video games. <laughs> Precisely. And read, of course. Reading is uh, important. Yeah. You have a whole podcast exactly. around it. <laughs> it definitely made that easier. Uh, I was just knocking the books out in a few hours before, right? the, before the podcast. I thought for a second you were going to say Morbius, like you were excited to go see Morbius. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Awful. I will not, I'll probably not be seeing that movie. <laughs> yeah, me either. You got out to see Batman. Oh, oh yeah, I did. The Batman twice. was great. Oh, yeah. The Batman was everything I've wanted in a Batman movie my entire life. I was so happy with it. Yes, it was a cinematic treat. Do you think we could cover it comic books or do you think that's too much of a visual medium? I mean, it might be something we could look into at some point. I think we wouldn't be able to do just like a comic book. We'd have no, we'd to have do to do like, like a graphic a, novel or something like a that. A graphic novel or a series. I mean, I would love to talk about, even though it's been talked about ad nauseum, I'd love to talk <laughs> about something like The Watchmen or The Dark Knight Returns. Those are really good. Um, were they 90s? Yeah, what were uh, what were the popular yeah, like what kind of the 90s? They're, those are 80s, man. They were oh, okay. 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. Watchmen oh, yeah. was 80s. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, so we I could say, still have grown up with them in the nineties, right? Yeah, I want to say Red uh, is also from the the nineties. It might be later though. Let me see here. But yeah, uh, there I've I've got quite a few different graphic novels that I really enjoyed. Oh, it looks like it was two thousand nine. So no, not Red. But yeah, there's plenty of them we can find from that time yeah, period. We can look into for it. Sure. See. See which ones might be worthy of discussing. Right. Yep. All that. All that comic literature. Yeah, because it's still a story, and I mean, they're you know. Oh yeah. Reading Watchmen, that was the first graphic novel I ever read. I actually wasn't very big into comic books as a kid. Uh, I had a few of them, but I just didn't have access to them because even though they were like a dollar seventy-five a piece, you know, you're trying to tell your parent to buy a comic book and in the 90s it wasn't like it is now my kids ask me for something and usually i'm like man i want to get it for them because you know mm-hmm. it sucks being a kid and never getting anything so it, within yeah. reason i'm not spoiling them but i like them to be able to get stuff you know and not feel like you know they're pieces of shit for daring to ask me <laughs> and yeah. so <clears throat> when i was a kid man you'd ask for something like that and no, well, not. It's like I look at it now. I'm like, they were a dollar twenty five. You got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and it was the nineties. Yeah, people still had money. <laughs> it wasn't like yeah, and we we didn't have access to the internet or anything like that. So I yeah, anyhow, stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, we needed stuff to do. But yeah, I started reading uh, graphic novels later on, uh, probably in my late 20s, and Watchmen was one of the first ones, and that would be really fun to read because it's, uh, yeah, it tells a story just like a regular novel. I just don't know if that one, is, that one is geared towards children. I don't think that one's really geared hmm. towards kids. <laughs> is, perhaps it is. Perhaps it isn't. So here's the way I look at that. It depends <clears throat> on how messed up your kids are. The kids that got comic books back in the day, like if you were to talk, if you were to ask Kevin Smith what he was reading when he was 10 years old, it would definitely be hard comics like that because his parents didn't realize they were violent in nature. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like comic books in general. So I, it's just something to look into. I agree with, uh, with looking at it. Hmm. Well, hey, it did what I wanted. A good topic of discussion. So we may we may include some comic book literature in our future. Mm-hmm. But speaking of our past, what do we want to talk about from earlier this chapter? Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so well, for, uh, I guess we can discuss which one we enjoyed that we hated reading the least. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I really liked I liked Call of the Wild. I thought it was a good, fun book. I did not enjoy that snowman book because it was trash. Sorry, R.L. Stein, you're never going to come on our podcast. You're never going to listen to this, but uh, that book was not good. So, <laughs> no, you've it done was better. Not. You've 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 done better. Yeah, and then the Washington. That one was well. We learned that that is not the type of book we should cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It was incredibly simple. Yeah, if we're gonna do something like that, we'll it. have to do the whole like like the four chapter series of that one or however many it is. Yeah, cover cover an arc. Yeah, maybe not pick something having to do with American history in the tur- turbulent times we're in right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait till July. That will be <laughs> that, not, that will not be any better. I say we stay away from that shit as far away as we can. Right. We there was go- um <laughs> there was an episode of The Simpsons that uh, I wanted us all to watch. Uh, it kind of kind of as a companion piece to Revolutionary War on Wednesday, and it was the title or the episode called. Lisa the Iconoclast, and uh, she discovers in her studies on Jebediah Springfield for a school report that Jebediah Springfield has a has written a wrote a secret confession in which he admitted to being uh, first of all n- not actually Jebediah Springfield but Hans Sprungfeld, a notorious pirate. Yeah, uh, with a silver tongue. <laughs> with a silver tongue. And he he didn't tame the wild buffalo. He merely shot it. And <laughs> at one point in time, he tried to assassinate President George Washington, who uh, like took out his wooden teeth and like and clamped uh, Hans Sprungfeld in the in the nads and made him run away. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big thing. But Lisa had the um, 
conundrum of what do you do when you discover like one of our it's he wasn't a founding father but he's like a founding member of the town of springfield uh we'll just say for for ease it'll be a founding father but what do you do when you discover a founding father was a piece of shit no good nick (laughs) when everybody like reveres him and doesn't want you to to speak ill of um this this huge mythological figure in the formation of of the country right and i think that he's supposed to be in that episode clearly even though he wasn't a founding father I'm pretty sure. Obviously, it's supposed to be the idea is that's who they're talking about. He had a similar status, yeah, right. And that's who they're talking about. They're talking about the founding fathers. That's the idea that because Simpsons, you know, as much as I remember being a kid and my dad be like, "Oh, it's just trash TV. Oh, it's so stupid. It's so stupid." But it's not stupid. Just like Futurama isn't stupid. Mm. The only the only reason the things going on are stupid is because they're more realistic than you would think. Sure, you know, people aren't getting their hands cut off and and then having them back the next week and, you know, <laughs> and falling off a cliff isn't going to just be a roll down. Oh, I'm hurt. You're going to die. But the themes in every episode are often like pointing out some silly thing about society or how people are or the government. And it's a lot smarter if you're able to see what they're trying to say. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, Lisa decides that uh, she doesn't want to ruin the whole mythological figure of Jebediah Springfield because of how important that is to uh, the town. Uh, So she kind of discards the truth and feel like there's a big battle around that whole movement uh, right now as to, okay, do we critically think about what the truth is or do we do we let the do we let the people have their their tall tale figure that built this country and and not touch them as some sort of um, sacrosanct figure, I suppose. I feel like their use has to change over time. Like there was a time where it was really important that we saw the founding fathers as infallible people that created this awesome new thing and they they changed the game and and that that drove people to be like yeah and really push through like frontier times and the beginning of the industrial revolution and and all those times right and i think that was really important to have that then but we're at a time right now where i feel like it is important that we kind of cross that bridge and we see that yeah okay there are a lot of things they did that were good okay but their reason for doing it is not something that is meant necessarily for the common man right and Mm -hmm. Now we've come to a point where our rights and our freedoms are in question. And instead of people looking at those founding fathers and being like, yeah, well, we should change some of these ideas because freedoms and rights are disappearing. Instead, the people that are taking those freedoms and rights are using those same founding fathers to say, we're supposed to be like them. And but their stories aren't entirely true, you know, Mm -hmm. like George Washington chopping down the cherry tree and not being able to lie, never, never told a lie. That's, you know, that man lied to people, (laughs) you know, (laughs) is documented. There's, so, I remember a big part of that episode also was that didn't they dig him up to find out if he had the if his tongue was silver? They found out that oh mm-hmm. he didn't have a silver tongue, but then they found the silver tongue because the librarian I believe it was had already dug him up. It, it found was the, the curator. Tongue. It was the curator of the Jebediah Springfield yeah. Museum because the tongue oh, okay. was in the museum dressed up as a mm-hmm. figure, <laughs> as a cowboy. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. In a showdown. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> totally out in the open. <laughs> yeah, when they when they exhumed the body, the the tongue was there, and he quickly, uh, while the dust was flying everywhere, pocketed it uh, because it was it, that was his life's work. His uh, his life's work was built around the idea that Jebediah Springfield was this infallible uh, great man. Interesting. So yeah, 
Speaking of uh, Call of the Wild, too, though, uh, we did, we, <laughs> we watched were, a movie we were for speaking that one. Of Call we got, of the Wild. Some, we got <laughs> well, some movie reviews. <laughs> we talked about we talked about all the books, and and we're you know, because <laughs> uh, we watched another another movie attached to a book here, and uh, mm-hmm. Call of the Wild, man, I did like the book. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun, um, it, mostly because of that old like I don't know the the rustic nature of it there was a reality to that time uh, a ruggedness and yeah it wasn't really great for social dynamics and <laughs> some of the ideas that they put forth like you know because as we talked about with that he kind of gave socialist ideas at the time but mm-hmm. later on it was pretty much like nah, maybe not you know so Jack London's a odd character, but right. yeah. and it was like borderline uh, Darwinism too. Like it's whoever, wh- whoever the strongest dog is, who could sneak the most food or take the most food uh, when it was given out, or uh, wh- whichever dogs were the strongest would survive and be like heads of the pack. Right. So it, it kind of gave those uh, r- those rugged ideas and that that. Yeah, rugged individualism almost. Like they were, mm-hmm. it, it, that's funny because they had to be part of a team in order to pull the sled, but they were individually trying to do things to get themselves mm-hmm. ahead. The law of the you land know? was more rugged individualism. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but we watched the movie for that and uh, the the recent movie with Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was, re- <laughs> I was really amazed how well they trained those totally real dogs. In the <laughs> totally real. Super they were clearly, realistic. It was, yeah. it was uncanny how real they were. Yeah. It wasn't like it was 2007 CGI or something <laughs> in the movie made in 2020. <laughs> um. One thing I wanted to mention was there's a scene where they pan out over the Alaskan town, the first town where they take Buck and where he runs into Harrison Ford the first time. And mm-hmm. uh, they pan out at one point and there's an American flag. And when I saw the American flag, I was like, oh, look at that. I'm like, fucking idiots. They put a flag in there with too many stars on it. And so I paused the movie and literally sat there and counted the <laughs> stars. And no, man. 45 stars. They had 45 stars on it, which nice. is right. It was right for the time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You would you would hope that if they would feature flag, flags so prominently that they would have done their homework. I mean, this is Disney we're talking about. This was a Disney movie. You you don't know that they're going to do that, though. Like, I, I had to see, and I, it turned out they did. So from there, I was like, I can give this movie a chance. I mean, they, you know, obviously cared enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It was it was funny the changes they made. Uh, first, they really give. I thought they did a good job of giving Buck a personality. I, I will say that because the book was from Buck's perspective, you know. So I guess it'd be kind of difficult to just watch the movie if you didn't give that dog personality. So I see why they they made him CGI. Um, okay, I kind of take it back. It's not a Disney movie. It's a 20th century movie, which is, I guess is owned by Disney, but still. Not like Disney, Disney. It's very were they Disney-fied. owned by Disney at that time, though. <laughs> it is a Disneyfied version of of the story. Yes, yeah. right, yeah. Because they they cut out from any of the points where there's any kind of vi- where there was violence in the book. They kind of like tone it way down. Oh, like yeah. when the dogs yeah. fight, when Spitz and Buck fight, they end that <laughs> fight with Buck winning and Spitz is giving up. But it was an I quit match. Yeah, I quit. It was. It was a no. Yeah, it was a a loser leaves town match. (laughs) The buck ended with a choke slam. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and that's what happened. Is the dog left? It didn't get killed. They just where Spitz at? Well, he, you know, he's gone. He decided to leave. Yeah, and so (laughs) like Spitz had his back to him, and he was like knocked down and worn out and everything. Like, okay, this is where the rest of the pack is supposed to converge on buck and tear him apart right right nope nope they kind of nope they wanted buck to be their leader they're like they're yeah. re- recognizing his alphaness they're all also like much smaller than i pictured when i read the book and they were all different breeds of dogs like there was a cocker spaniel there was a golden retriever <laughs> yeah, that, like i don't think golden retrievers are meant to pull things like that i just i don't no. see it <laughs> <laughs> I assume they probably could, but not in the way that an actual sled dog could. But I will say, 
Like, have you ever seen a Samoyed? A, a Samoyed is a pretty small dog, and that's <laughs> like a really fast sled dog. You know, you just add more dogs when they're smaller like that. But Samoyeds, mm. we, my dad owned a Samoyed at one time, and that, that fucking dog, I swear to God, it could run 50 miles an hour. It was the fastest dog I'd ever seen in my life. It would run back and forth across the highway. Like, it would get out of the yard, and it would literally just zip back and forth across the highway like it was a game. Never got hit by a car. <laughs> it was crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was funny how when it gets to the point of... Um, the people that were going to get the gold and uh, John Thornton was telling them not to go because they were going to go through the ice. That was a whole thing where the people, they took off anyways because they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And they get up there and he liked Buck so much already. He had like made this connection with Buck by meeting him a couple times already that he ran after him with a backpack and a gun and then held them all at gunpoint and was like, stop, you're going to kill the dogs or whatever. And <laughs> and Buck passed out. He cut Buck loose. The guy decides, we're going anyways. So they went and off screen, apparently, uh, he lost his friends and the dogs. Including Carrie okay. and Jillian, which... Yeah, and I was like, Carrie and Jillian is in here. Oh, my God. I yeah. love her. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> Yeah, she's great. She's funny underutilized. and enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> underutilized yeah, underutilized sure. in the film. Um, but yeah, that guy comes back to the town and now now John Thornton has Buck and and he's been taking care of him and that guy comes back to the town and uh attacks John Thornton, right? And then it turns out that now he's got this grudge against John Thornton cuz he's the only one that survived and they actually have a Native American save John Thornton in the bar. Also, he thinks okay. that he's trying to keep the information on where to find the yeah. gold. Like big yeah, old for some gold. That, yeah, the cabin, where the hidden the book treasure that is. They talk about in the score. book, but in the book, they like happen upon it and then they just move on. Whereas this is like the place where they find the gold is at this cabin. Yeah, they actually do find the gold or John Thornton finds. Yeah, because the there's Buck. his friends are nowhere to be found. It's just John Thornton. And right. And so so uh, a Native American saves John Thornton in the bar from this white guy that was going after him. Right. And then the whole thing that ends up coming down, he doesn't get killed by Yeehat, uh, the Yeehat tribe. He gets killed by this guy on a revenge uh, trip. And this guy, what I thought was funny about it, and I'm fine with that change because I'm like, cool. They, you know, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, for sure. They were able to circumvent a whole problematic part yes. of the book, right? Yes. yes. So I was, I was fine with that. What I wasn't fine with was the fact that the guy that tracked him down through the untamed wilderness of Alaska was clearly. <laughs> from the big city and did not have any knowledge of wilderness. So hell, I couldn't hell, understand. He did have what? a map. He did have a map and he was able to match it up to uh, what uh, John uh, wrote. Yeah, because John was just going out into nowhere. But when he matched up the map with it, it's like, oh, that's where the cabin is. So he was definitely trying to keep me from getting to the cabin. So if I go out into the woods and hand you guys a map on how to get there, are you going to be able to find me? That's the problem I'm having here. You've got, you've well, got yeah. enough time to to commit to <laughs> reading the map. <laughs> <laughs> reading a map and putting it to use in the woods are two different things. True. It's true yeah. <laughs> but that was the only problem I had with that. It had to happen. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It had to happen. It's part of the story. Right. But I was just like, this is... You know, I mean, there are a lot of unbelievable things have happened in this movie so far. <laughs> it's an old but trope this... in movies. If you have a map, you know the way. Yep. <laughs> and, and what I loved was uh, Buck's, it, he doesn't save John Thornton. John Thornton still dies and Buck runs off and lives with the wolves. Mm -hmm. But when Buck stops the guy with the gun, he doesn't jump on him and tear his throat out or bite him at all. He football tackles the guy into a building <laughs> that's on fire. Into the burning cabin. Yeah, yeah, into the burning cabin. And like He just like runs up, catches him on his shoulder, runs with him for like four steps, and then tosses him inside the building. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, at the end. <laughs> well, again, yeah. Buck knows... Buck knows physics because there's that one point where he has to. I believe he, is he saving John Thornton or no? He's saving one of the um, pack. 
when he's uh, with the wolves. And he uses physics that he knows, apparently, to save a uh, one of the ones in the river by using a lever. Because, you know, it's a simple right. machine. Yeah, he like shoulders this big yeah. uh, dead tree that's uh, th- the wolf is caught on. Yeah. So, yep. he, so yeah, he understands physics and simple machines as well. Uh, Clearly. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, we learn a lot more about John Thornton in this book, in the movie. And I was like, I don't care. Like, so John Thornton's a piece of shit because he left his family. Cool, I guess. No, I his, don't think that's what happened. His, his son, son died. His son died, and it was too much for him to take, so he ran off. Yeah. Yes. He left he his, wife, his wife, anyways, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't uncommon for children to die then, though. It, <laughs> it was like a normal thing, <laughs> so I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, but I don't, I don't hold any grudges against him for having that reaction, man. I don't know what I would do. You know what I mean? Like, God, I, I can't even think about it, you know, when yeah. I just... Like, I could see wanting to disappear. Mm-hmm. He also had some know. alcoholism, which may have manifested before he left for Alaska. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they gave him flaws all of a sudden. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. John Thornton was supposed to be, like, the hero hero. But, again, they had to <laughs> change it again. for the movie. So Buck was the hero hero. And he also <laughs> didn't like the alcohol and was able to sober John Thornton up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Buck was aware of what uh, the fire water does to the old man. Yep. The part that I did not like in particular was the part with the man with the red sweater. Not because he beat up a CGI dog. That was not <laughs> upsetting to me. It was the fact because that he only the had guy hit him once. is the fact that the guy said, this is the law of Fang and Club. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. that's not how it worked. He learned that. <laughs> Uh, that over like three chapters. <laughs> right. Not- well, and you would think that instead it would have been better for because all through the movie, Harrison Ford is narrating Buck's perspective. And it would have been better to have him say Buck understood now the law of Fang and Club. You know what I mean? Yeah. But instead, they they have the guy literally blurted out at the dog. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of lame. Yeah, yeah. Just some strange choices. I saw why they did made made some of the choices. And like I say, I'm not upset with with some of the changes they made necessarily. Just the execution was not <laughs> not exactly what I would have expected. Yeah. It was very family friendified. Yeah, even yes. how. Even how Buck is tricked into going, getting uh, taken away from the judge, because at the judge's house he's kind of a nuisance. Actually, he he's not the stoic dog that stands by and is able to do everything. No, he's mm-hmm. kind of a he just he runs that house. He works up. Mm-hmm. The one part is pretty good when he wakes up those girls. that wasn't him running the house. That was him ruining the house. Yeah, ruining the house <laughs> by running through the house. <laughs> so, well, he, game, he like demolished that whole big dinner, uh, yeah. all that food on the table while the yep. family was taking the portrait. Well, well and they out. gave him and the judge more of a relationship. More of a, relationship yeah they actually had him and the judge and you could tell the judge actually loved buck and you mm-hmm. know like he punishes him by keeping making him stay outside and that's how he gets stolen yeah it was also more of a uh, more of a kidnapping than a betrayal mm-hmm. yeah yep by one of the yeah hands. somebody in town heard his name and then was like calling him and trying to trick him into the cat or the uh whatever with a treat the right crate yeah Overall, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I actually might watch it again just because I think the boys would enjoy it, and they had already gone home when I chose to watch it because I figured it was going to be too boring for them. But then after seeing the moment I saw that the dog was, you know, it, it's meant to look real. It's not like it's Scooby Doo CGI, but it's clearly a CGI dog. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw that, I was like. Okay, the boys probably would have liked this movie. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be a good one for the boys. Yeah, yep. I on the other it, hand will never watch it again. So. <laughs> it definitely cleansed a lot of the brutality out of it. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. It, it it was definitely fam- familified. So, and both of you described reading the book as uh, as fun, where uh, I feel like the movie actually made the story fun, and the the actual story was more of a <laughs> Something I wouldn't call fun, but good. And 
It's a family fight. It's what I meant. It was yeah. interesting. Yeah. What, what I meant more by fun was it was interesting and it kept me reading mm-hmm. and I wanted to finish the book. Where, you know, when we got to other books, <coughs> I didn't feel that way, you know? So. Right. Surviving Alaska is no jolly romp. But did you like the movie of the book that you hated? That- <laughs> I did. I actually liked uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, the movie. Um, it was a lot better than I remember it being. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not definitely not a movie that I would pick up and just watch. I had never seen it because it never drew my interest, but I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I had my hangups on for whatever reason. I can't explain it. <laughs> I have my hangups on that over description of of stuff, but being in the wilderness in a fantasy setting. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know what it is, but. But the movie was pretty good, and, like, they even have the battle in the movie. You're like, whoa, <laughs> look at that, a whole battle. Right. I I thought uh, when it came to the point when he first, they first encounter the wolves, Peter uh, stabs into the fucking ice instead of fighting the wolf, and I immediately was like, great. This movie is going to be a total fucking, they're not even going to have what what violence they had in the book. They're not even going to have, you know? And no, it, it turns out he still does uh, end up fighting the wolf and killing it. And and they have a straight up crazy battle. Mm-hmm. And they manage the, um, the more gory parts with like cutaways and editing and not showing like blood, blood or whatever, but they're right. still, they're still fighting and violence. And I mean, Edmund got straight up stabbed. I mean, he's a child and he got stabbed in the gut. They had that right on screen. Mm. Not that that's what I'm looking for necessarily. It's just it, <laughs> it's a little bit more exciting to have that battle going on. And I, I don't know when I was a kid, right. I always liked the idea of fighting adults <laughs> like three ninjas was a great movie, you know? Completely unbelievable, but, you know, I always felt like I could fight adults when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Can't see why. (laughs) But yeah, all that battle stuff happened elsewhere in the book, and they, like, the girls and Aslan came in late to the, uh, the aftermath of it. Um, they didn't shake hands very much in uh, in the movie, though I did want to bring that up. In in the book, they shake hands after they apologize, and I'm like, that's very interesting thing for children to do. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was the time that you taught kids to shake hands and be gentlemen. I was taught to shake yeah. hands after I apologized. The proper after... English gentleman. Let's start it. Yeah, Let's start raised. doing that, guys. Let's after we apologize to people. For whatever wrong, we shake their hand. Dude, I, I literally, in when I worked at uh, Dunlop Pontiac, I got into an argument with one of the painters, okay, from the body shop. Him and I got into an argument, and I still felt like I was right, but I had basically, in my mind, I had lost because I just started saying mean things. Because he was annoying me, okay? And mm-hmm. so later that day, I went I went back to him and I said, hey, man, I said, I, I know we had a disagreement. It is what it is. And I'm like, I'm sorry for saying the stuff I said to you. And I put my hand out to shake his hand and he looked right at me and he had said some shit too. It wasn't like he was innocent, okay? Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it didn't happen in a vacuum. And he looks me right in the face and he goes, fuck you, and walks away. And <laughs> I still, to this day, I feel like I won then. I won because man, I he, went in there. You were the bigger man. I was, yeah, I you was were the be bigger a man person. and shake his hand and say sorry. And he said, fuck you back to me. So I won that interaction as far as I'm concerned. Like, <laughs> and yeah, I, you were the bigger I person. I wouldn't think of it as a win had he not said fuck you to me. But when he did that, I'm like, yeah, I'm a better person. You know, yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. So you're willing yeah, to recognize that it that. got heated and off off topic. <laughs> yep. And th- hurtful things were said. I always feel like, you know, you can't you can't be perfect all the time. And it's really easy to remember the times that somebody gets upset or somebody says something they don't mean or, or whatever. But I feel like if a person can recognize they were wrong and can apologize that if we aren't willing to allow people redemption or forgiveness, then what's the fucking point? You know, I mean, I'm not saying that people should get away with it all the fucking time, that you should just be able to be a dick. And as long as you say you're sorry, you just get away with it. 
I'm not saying that, but I am saying that, you know, if some, if people are being usually good and then go off the rails that you got to be, especially if they recognize what they did. Yeah. Everybody has bad days. Right. And then we well, first of all, did, did we ever acknowledge on the show that the whole um, kind of violence having happening somewhere else and not giving much attention to the war part of it being part of the time when it was written, when Line of Witch and Wardrobe was written as kind of a post-World War II, like war fatigue kind of thing where uh, you not only was... Whereas people don't didn't want to hear about uh, warfare or whatever, but also part of the reason why they were where they were was because they were escaping a war. And that this book was meant to be more of an escape from war, and it just so happens there's a war happening. <laughs> you had mentioned that outside of the episode, but I, I was thinking on that. And if you actually look back at that time, maybe maybe one of the reasons there's a disconnect there for me, like, cause I don't necessarily see that because in the late forties and the fifties, uh, in the sixties, that was a very popular time for war movies, uh, here in America. Right. So the difference is, is that we didn't get other than Pearl Harbor. We didn't get attacked on our land. We didn't have bombs dropped on us. We didn't have ground fighting in our states at mm-hmm. that time, right? Right. Whereas, so for us, all war was mythical. It usually is. For for Americans, war is a mythical thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, yeah, we're going to go in there, we're going to kick ass, we're going to do this, and then uh, we Romanticize never cons- ideas of... Yeah, yeah, it's romanticized. <laughs> we never consider the, the result of that on, like, the veterans that come back, right? Right. Um, People say they want to support the troops, but then as soon as a troop or a veteran is saying, like, oh, my God, I, you know, I feel emotional from what happened, they're like, oh, you're a pussy, you know? (laughs) Because in America, we have this idea that we're just unstoppable killing machines, and if you send a, you put a drop us in the desert with a machine gun, we'll take out the whole country by ourselves, you know? (laughs) Right. And so... That might be where I was having a disconnect at that time when you had said that to me, because I'm like, what are you being, dude? There was all kinds of war stuff being being done at that time. Why wouldn't? But I wasn't considering that he's from, you know, England. And for him, there was mm-hmm. war fatigue because they literally had bombs dropped on. Them, yeah. These kids you know? are refugees. And how many how many of these war movies uh, and like glorification of our soldiers going over and being heroes. How many of them are written by war refugees and the people who bombs fell on? Right. Yeah. None of them. I mean, you know, it's that's not what it was about here. It was it, for us. It was this idea that we're fucking great because we're badass at doing war. You know, <laughs> <laughs> going to Europe to save the motherfucking day. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, there's question as to like with World War Two. Uh, here in America, we are like de facto. Had we not entered the war, uh, the Axis powers would have would have won. You know, and that is questionable. I mean, definitely it sped up the process of winning. Definitely we helped. Definitely we were important in the war effort. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily true that had we not gotten involved, it was impossible for the allies to win. Mm. You know, so but for us, that story is great. You know, we I mean, even look at <clears throat> the joke that when you reach your mid 30s, you either start smoking meats or studying World War Two history. That's a joke here in America, <laughs> right? Is that it why is I'm because, so obsessed with barbecue now? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Because oh, I don't like that? war, but I do want to <laughs> learn how to smoke meat. Mm, I, I, I like smoking meat. meat, man. I like smoking meat while I'm watching documentaries about uh, World War II. <laughs> but, but for us, yeah, World War II is this is epic. It's not, it's not directly related to us because we're like, we went over and we saved the world. So it's an epic for us. It's not the same. And we tried to keep that image up on uh, on our armed forces for years and years, but it never quite stuck for some reason. Like our engagements in Korea, Vietnam, and uh, Middle East. 
those were the purpose was always much messier yeah yeah i mean in uh, one of the things i had read about the difference between like world war ii and vietnam was in world war ii we were fighting for land we were pushing the germans back we were uh you know getting everything back for the countries that it had been taken from okay so we Mm -hmm. would take land and then that land would immediately be occupied by allied forces so that they couldn't just come right back in but when Mm -hmm. we went to vietnam we were fighting for a body count so like we would take hill a for instance like okay there's hill a hill b and hill c well we would take hill a we'd kill all the Viet Cong on hill a and then we'd leave and the next day, more Viet Cong would come back and occupy Hill A. <laughs> and then we'd have to take Hill A again. And then we'd leave. And and that's why we... There are a lot of reasons that we didn't win, I guess. I don't know if that was ever a winnable war. But... Police action. One of those... Or police action, whatever, yeah. Hmm. One of the reasons that we didn't, you know, quote-unquote win was because of that. We never occupied anything. We just fucking killed a bunch of people hmm. i say we i wasn't involved <laughs> right <laughs> nor do i want to be involved there's one hazard on that on the vietnam war wall i took an etching of it i don't know who it was but <laughs> i was like hmm. oh one hazard amazing <laughs> never heard that last name other than you and your brother <laughs> hmm, right? i wonder why my brother and i have the same last name <laughs> I do, but I'm just saying, like, you guys are the only hazards I know. I've never heard that name before. I'm sure there are plenty of Millers on the wall. I've only met one other hazard, like, in the wild, and that was in Sacramento, and she was a customer that came into uh, the record store when I was working there. Hmm. I was like, hazard? She's like, yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. I have the same last name as you. She's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's like not a big deal for her. <laughs> Just seems like a really rare occurrence, you know. Yeah. Like you think that? Yeah, yeah. you don't meet many hazards. And when no. I when I do see the name, it's usually with two Z's, and we only have one Z. So mm, right. But anyways, that's the war piece. Yep. <laughs> Except for one one part of war that we didn't talk about yet, which is a brass cannon fired by Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the can oh, the canon ending of that book? God, I love I love it. Just I don't think about the anchovies. I'm just like, and then the Yetis hit me with a cannon. Best ending ever. <laughs> that was if, such a wacky book. Yeah, really I'm was. excited to read it more. I do. I, I want to go back and read more of that. It seems like a fun, crazy story. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yet, but I want to. You know what would be great is. Uh, if they have a part in there about when the CIA was hunting Yeti in Nepal, which is a <laughs> recently declassified document. <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah. they. Uh, it turns out that the reason they were doing so it was in 1959. The reason they were doing it was because they were trying to garner a relationship with the Nepalese government so that they could yeah, a clear... Uh, uh, you know, it's CIA. So they were trying to get in there because it put them close to Russia and it put them on good terms with India and it was just useful for America. But and they only the tallest mountain in the world is good for the country, USA. Right. But but they did actually have to go out there and like do it because if they didn't, it would just look like they were just trying to garner a relationship. So <laughs> they they did, and there were rules to it. Uh, if uh, if they went out to search for Yeti to do an expedition, they had to pay five thousand. I'm guessing rupees. It's Indian currency, and uh, they had to pay that to the government in Nepal to have a permit to go search for Yetis. Which, I don't know if that's still a thing. You might still have to get a permit if you want to go search for Yetis. If you found a Yeti, you could photograph it, you could capture it alive, but you could not shoot it unless you were defending yourself, okay? So, you, and if you got it, if you did kill it or capture it, you had to surrender it to the Nepalese government. And uh, there were a lot of people, uh, reports of Yeti, like they were, you know, people, I guess, in Nepal are very serious about their Yeti, or at least were in 1959, 
uh, it's heavily believed. And there was a hand that is at a monastery. There is a hand at a monastery, a Buddhist monastery in Nepal. And somebody, not a CIA guy, but somebody actually stole one of the finger bones while a monk was sleeping and replaced it with a human finger bone, which, you know, there's a lot of questions I have about that. But... (laughs) Uh, he replaced it with a human finger bone and they didn't notice and they did get that finger bone tested and it is not human, but it is hominid. Interesting. Yeah. So they they don't know what it's from, but it's not a human. They do know it's hominid, though. So I don't know, maybe a uh, trans-dimensional fur monster. The evidence seems to, to uh, point that way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that whole thing. I, I absolutely <laughs> loved that Josh prefaced the episode by telling us about the expert on Coast to Coast AM talking about <laughs> Yetis being from a different dimension, and then we get into the book, and we fucking go into a different dimension to meet the Yetis. Like, that was <laughs> wild. <laughs> I, I never would have thought that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. I had no clue that Yetis were had that kind of reputation as some as a multidimensional supernatural being. I just thought they were just is that like what a cryptid is where it's multidimensional or not necessarily? Uh, no, a cryptid is yeah, just it's... an animal that's mythical. Yeah. Okay. So Griffins, yeah. Loch Ness Monster, Yeti, Bigfoot, all those. Squatches. Dog the, the Michigan dog man. Chupacabras. Chupacabras, yep. So apparently they did some they did some DNA analyses on various samples that were purported to be from the abominable snowman, aka the Yeti. Mm-hmm. Uh came from various species of bears that were native to the area. Okay. Okay. So yeah, looks like they were um yeah. Of the nine Yeti samples, eight turned out to be from bears native to the area. The other sample came from a dog. So, <laughs> none of the samples. Are you talking about hair samples? These are just uh, samples from different uh, different places, different monasteries that had them. So yeah, they let them have pieces of them or whatever, and let them do the let them do. Yeah, it looks like hair sam- hair and bone samples. Okay. So so monasteries in the area have like supposed body parts of yeti. Probably like the hand that their... Harold was talking about. And... I've I've read I've seen that before on you know because one of my guilty pleasures is watching nonsense supernatural stuff, and <laughs> I saw one where it was talking about yetis, and they were at a monastery. And trying to get a piece of hair. And they didn't want to give up the hair. <clears throat> like, it took a lot of doing for them to give up a piece of the hair. Huh. But I do remember that one being from a bear as well. So, yeah. Very interesting. My, my thoughts on it are that uh, most of these samples, yeah, are from bears. <laughs> <laughs> Identifiable at, at any rate. All right. Well, does anybody have any lingering burning questions related to any of these stories? I just... I wonder what really Lazy Stein was thinking with that snowman book, man. You know, (laughs) like we skipped right over it. (laughs) We skipped right over it because God damn it. Like we talked a little bit about it, but we talked about the fact that we read it. (laughs) We talked about the fact that we read it and it was bad. And it wasn't so good. No. (laughs) I mean, it just, I don't know. Yeah. What I would like to know is why the big bad snowman um, lied about being um, what's her name's father. Yeah, that's the, weird. Jacqueline, when like it was created, it was essentially created. It was probably like a monster from wherever, but essentially created by her father, right? Because her mother was we established as non magical. Yeah, but uh, it could have just told her that he's her brother or anything. Yeah, <laughs> or we live in the it, well. This took place in the nineties. We had telephones back then. You could call them. You could call each other. You could have a relationship with your daughter. Even though she lives (laughs) in a different state, you could still call her. You know, you could could have visited it. Or maybe he'd come come down to Chicago, get some Portillo's. Then he might never leave. It don't work like that, man. He had to have absolutely no contact. (laughs) It was the only way. It was his burden. His purpose. <laughs> he is the silent guardian. 
well, not silent, but, you know, the mysterious guardian at any rate. Yeah, there were a lot of reasons that book was, was bad. <laughs> Just, man, yeah, it, was it was a tough a one. Book. Yeah, it was not a good one. <laughs> I mean, I will say that those that throughout the story, I really thought it was going to come to something at some point. Because the snowman, when he's describing all those different snowmen, it was creepy, you know. But, like, I expected those. I, I, mean, I just feel like there's so many better stories like the snowmen could have like killed people or or stolen something or you know it's just no it ends up being <laughs> a giant snowman it's the giant snowman ah! <laughs> it was weird damn literally that's all i got to say about it though because damn <laughs> yeah it's bad it's so bad we're to not gonna let's not read goosebumps for a couple couple rounds here <laughs> Do something yeah, else. Mm. We are. Uh, I mean, do we have? I, I think that pretty much covers covers everything. Yeah. I mean, the only other thing is uh, Janelle and I played the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe game for PS2. Oh yeah. Well, it was highly, if ra- somewhat highly rated. How was it? Uh, it wasn't a. It's not a bad game. You know, uh, a t- one or two players. Uh, it's got like massive uh, uh, cutscenes, like straight from the movie. Uh, oh Jesus! So. <laughs> um, but it <laughs> it still finds ways to put the the kids in uh, like situations where they have to like solve puzzles or fight off wolves or like light a stick on fire and burn some brambles here and there. Uh, it was developed by Traveler's Tales, which is also responsible for like the Lego games. And it really felt like one of those Lego games. Okay. Where you're running around, you're hitting stuff to make coins fall out, and uh, oh, you have to yeah. solve like simple puzzles here and there. So it felt it feels like a Lego game before I think before the Lego games were a thing. And uh, we also had Turkish Delight while we did it. Oh, very nice. <laughs> we actually How streamed that live. On, we actually streamed that live on Twitch. If anybody wants to uh, to take a look at the the video and see some of the gameplay and see our reactions on Turkish Delight, but. Turkish Delight is not bad. Uh, okay. It's, it's like a th- a more solid jello, like a pasty gel cut into squares and absolutely just blasted with powdered sugar. Like we got <laughs> we got powdered sugar everywhere. <laughs> um but yeah, not bad. The box that Janelle got had like five different flavors and they were so coated in powdered sugar you couldn't tell what color they were underneath. So we were <laughs> we had to guess uh what flavor they were going to be before we actually bit into them. So that oh, was nice. kind of fun. Um not as gooey as uh the, the the scene in the movie where Edmund ate his made it look. Cause that's just like a big old hunk of red uh covered with powdered sugar and he like bit into that and it was just like gooey everywhere. It actually looked pretty tasty. <laughs> but uh no these are just like little little sugar cube sized squares and pretty good. Turkish mm. delight. Worth betraying your family over? <laughs> I I wouldn't sell out my my siblings for for a piece no. Okay. <laughs> Especially since they come in peach flavor and I don't really like peach flavor. Yeah, well, let's remember though. Let's let's keep in mind that this was, you know, <coughs> 1940s Britain and it's not like they had <laughs> not like they had all the different great candies that we have now. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, Wonka was not on the scene yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, his author was still getting a head injury from flying airplanes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was still taking out Nazis, even though he was yep. okay with them. <laughs> he just agreed with them about the Jews, okay? Yeah. <laughs> he Not agreed. necessarily what he they said were Hit- doing. Hitler kind of had a point about the Jews, is what he basically said. Yep. <laughs> he's he's not about to take over Poland or <laughs> move his armies or whatever, but he didn't like Jews. Such a weird thing. It is a weird <laughs> thing. Like, I mean, I don't know what it is. I just, I, I guess I just can't understand the idea of not liking any group of people as a whole for any reason. Like, just to be like, ah, they're all terrible. <laughs> you know, Especially based on what other people have to say about them. I will judge people based on their actions, but right. <laughs> to be told that, uh, oh, they're just genetically, they're just filth and they're, they're stealing all their jabs and yeah. They're ruining our economy just by being here. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, us white people are the worst because we're (laughs) the ones that started all. (laughs) 
even that, <laughs> you, the problem I have with that is that you're just throwing everybody in a box. And you can't just throw people in a box, man. I mean, individual, what individuals are like matters. Okay, so I just don't don't agree with that idea. No, and it's not okay no matter what. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like any group of people, you can't just throw them in a box like that. The only people you can throw into a box are small plastic people, and sometimes <laughs> that box will make them turn to life. Yep, that is true. <laughs> so that there is we go. Transport their real live analog and and replace the uh plastic husk and they will they will come to life. Yep. And we they will that be, book at some point. They will be whatever the most stereotypical <laughs> version of them is. It's true, yeah. They yep. will be the tropiest shit. <laughs> Bob's your uncle, Indian in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, did you have a Bob's Your Uncle uh, summary for us today? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, you were going to do a Bob's Your Uncle of the chapter. <laughs> I, I was going to, and then I was I started thinking about it, and I'm like, no, because I don't want to get lost in in trying to talk about all the different books. I mean, what you know, realistically, what we're doing is a Bob's Your Uncle summary yeah. of the chapter. <laughs> that literally is what we do. Yeah, it, it kind of occurred to me that that's basically what the episode is, is a Bob's Your Uncle of the chapter, so... Now, it, it comes to mind that there were also two other books um, that we had in between uh, the chapters. We had The Giving Tree and we had uh, the Star Wars Choose Your Own Adventure Special Edition this episode. Ah, yeah. Kind of honorary uh, books for in this chapter. Yeah, technically. Technically. For sure. But yeah, they didn't fit the winter theme. I mean, I got to do what I was, I got to, I got to, you know, go with the Empire and see what that was like. So that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And the giving tree, that was a fun just expo like talking about it because there's so many different ways to interpret it. And that's what I liked about that was like we could look at it from this way, we can look at it from this way, we can look at it from this point of view. And mm -hmm. it's it was fun to analyze that for that reason. So the, right. the more I think about that though, and like I because I continued to think about it after we watched or read the book and everything, and I feel like because the writer never came out and gave anybody a complete idea of what it was that he was trying to say. I almost feel like he tried to write a simple story about a tree that cared and like maybe it had a minor lesson in it, but I feel like people put so much onto it that it ended up coming to a point where people like were canceling half the book and making their own ending to it. <laughs> you know, I mean, like... I didn't understand that personally because it's like, you know, I'm not saying that you don't try and fix things, but that's the purpose of that book is to see, or to me, if I read that book and was trying to get a purpose out of it, it would be like, see, this is why that's bad. And that was a a, a lesson as to why that's bad, you know? Mm -hmm. it, but it could be read as, is that necessarily so bad? It could be, but that's up to, again, an individual to decide that. It's like I say, <laughs> man, it, like, there, we, you guys had brought, brought up that there were people that actually, like, had their own version that they wrote the end where it got to a certain point and then the tree was like, listen here. Quit <laughs> the tree set up boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I get it, but write your own book. You know what I mean? Just go write <laughs> your own book. You know, like at that point, it essentially was their own book. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it just kind of plagiarized the first half and right. like, the art style of the, the latter half. I think that that it may not have been all of what everybody puts onto it. Because that's that's what it really comes down to. It's that idea that art is subjective. So people all have their own concepts and ideas of what that book was supposed to mean. And it can be viewed from so many different places. I mean, you know, even looking at it from any of our perspective, we all had minor differences in our perspective on the book. I guess I, to me, that's kind of the beautiful thing about it. Mm -hmm. And it may not have even been done on purpose. Like you said, right. he may have just been trying to write a story about a tree and a boy. Yep. And everybody projects what they get out of it. Exactly. I almost feel like that's more likely what happened. And that's why he never gave an answer because he was like, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> and it shows in his portrait. Yeah. <laughs> that's on the back yeah, of that yeah, book. Smile. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like, no, I gotta, I gotta go hide out in the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> yeah. 
I did like learn like learning more about because I was like I know he there was something up with him and then I was like oh that's what he was doing okay very hedonistic nice <laughs> yeah that was funny to funny to learn about him <laughs> walking around with measuring tape ah the fifties yeah yeah so what do we got lined up coming up next chapter y'all. All right, so we're bringing this episode to a close, and in doing so, we're bringing this chapter to a close. And in this being the third chapter, that's going to bring this book to a close. And we're going to take a break for about a month, handle the business, and when we come back uh, for season three, or book three, as it were. Book three. Yes. We're going to start a chapter on uh, Tales of Survival. Excellent. Ooh. I'm I'm very excited for this because it has some a book that I loved as a child. I don't know if it's still good, but uh, that one is Hatchet. So I didn't love it. I just read it for class. <laughs> yeah, and I got I just got into it. I liked it a lot. So I've never read Hatchet. Uh, I have read one of the other books we're doing, Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Also but, for class. <laughs> also for class. Yep. Yeah, that one I read for class. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I also remember being you know a chubby fat kid with glasses and a a person in that story who gets uh picked on a little bit (laughs) i was like i can identify with that (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we're doing lord of the flies we're doing a listener suggestion we're going to be covering uh island of the blue dolphins that was suggested earlier Mm -hmm. by nyla Another one I read for class. I never, I've never, I've read, never it. read it, so I'm excited to I've read the majority it. of this chapter for class. Oh, nice. <laughs> <Just say that. laughs> Three out of five. And then we're also going to be covering, instead of Goosebumps, we're going to cover the Boxcar Children. So we're going to start out with the very first Boxcar Children. Mm-hmm. That is a long-running series that I believe is still being published to this day. And we'll be touching on the series as a whole, but we're going to dial into the the very first one because it's kind of a kind of a survival tale mm-hmm. oh, for sure enough I mean, of a survival tale that it makes the cut <laughs> orphan kids live in a box car on their own yeah i would say it makes the cut and it gives it opens us up to have a uh another series to pull from instead of just goosebumps mm-hmm. i mean we have babysitters, babysitters club, club but we've only done one of those <laughs> we've only done one of babysitters club wasn't there yep. another one that we uh that we looked at or that we did one of uh, the series of I mean, we did the Magic Tree House for this chapter as kind of another one, but uh, I think we were going to try to do a Michigan the Michigan Chillers, but they're just so oh. bad. Oh yeah, yeah. So they were bad. so bad. <laughs> yeah, yep. I think that's what it, what I'm thinking about. We wanted to introduce another series to the to the repertoire, and uh, we wound up bouncing off of Michigan Chillers. <laughs> no, thank you. Again, I would wa- read the first one, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> These all look atrocious. (laughs) And then we're going to wrap it up with the Choose Your Own Adventure. And Josh will be reading it this time. Mountain Survival. Yes, Mountain Survival. It's an older looking one, but it's uh it looks pretty fun so sounds fun to me see what kind of see kind of surviving we need to do or if we don't survive (laughs) i don't know how we could possibly ever top the the yeti adventure now (laughs) like i thought that the unicorn ones were gonna have been such a a great thing like oh man we'll never be able to top that but after that yeti one man whoo I don't know if I'm going to be able to top the intro that I made for the Yeti one. Oh, no, that was <laughs> that a was beautiful really intro. Good. Yeah. <laughs> a beautiful intro that no matter which way I try to put it on will not be allowed by TikTok. So I have to <laughs> oh, find man. a different spot on the fucking... <laughs> you know, for a, for a service that made its foundation on idiots lip syncing to music... Uh, it sure is a son of a bitch about allowing music in its clips. Right. Well, it depends. Like if the music is already on their serv- on their app, that's why you hear so many of the same song from people. Oh, it has is to be on a whitelist of some, some no, stuff. No, they have a predetermined like section of the song available for you to, to get mm. that must already have gone through copyright release or something. Yeah. Uh. But when you try to add your own music, it it mutes it. (sighs) Weird. Just let us be creative in our own way. Right. 
Which which is bothersome because as I understand it, the fact that it's parody mm-hmm. makes it allowable, but should it? Yeah. Anyways, it is what it is. If you wonder what we're talking about, just go ahead and listen to uh, actually the chapter or the episode before this one, episode forty six. Plus, it's super fun. We told you. (laughs) Yeah, it's a super fun story. Super fun. (laughs) Yeah, full of unforgettable (laughs) twists and turns about yetis and multidimensional (laughs) beings. It's great fun. Possibly mushrooms. Is is (laughs) deserving of a Grammy. (laughs) Yes. All right. I think that's gonna do it for. For this uh, this chapter, boys. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. fun. I'm glad that I don't have to experience winter for a whole year. <laughs> Not until next winter. Well, my winters here aren't so bad, but then... Your winters aren't so bad. I have one more good California winter, and then I'll probably have to come back to Michigan, unfortunately. Hell so. yes. It's going to be so terrible. <sighs> uh. Oh, I have to hang out with my friends in real life. <sighs> uh, oh, we're we, going to have fun. Uh, we oh, might yeah. just do, fun. Oh, we might just do in-person podcast episodes for a change. Yes. I was going to say... Of- <laughs> Speaking of new chapters, that is going to be a, a wonderful new chapter. <laughs> yeah, get get used to. You better be uh, happy with not doing any winter work because you, you're you're gonna be uh, stuck doing it. <laughs> oh no, no, I know. <laughs> That's all right. I've got a snowblower. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and I hope you. Uh, you listeners, come and join us when we come back uh, next chapter. I hope you uh, continue to support your local libraries and give a shit, read some lit. Have a good one. Thanks, everybody. This has been Reliterated, a production of the Chocolate Milk Friends and part of the 989 Podcast Network. If you enjoy our show, please consider giving us support by subscribing, recommending us to your book-reading, podcast-listening, 90s nostalgic friends, and most importantly, rating and reviewing us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible Podcasts, and Spotify. Did I mention we really want some Spotify ratings right now? Your ratings and reviews go a long way towards getting us in the ears of new listeners. You're also invited to join the growing Reliterated community on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. And if you really want to get nuts, we have a Discord, too. So bing us and join us in this nonsense. If you have a book suggestion for a future episode or have questions for us, send us an email at reliterated at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.